What's going on and welcome into the Monday edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. I'm Daniel Salerson alongside my co-host as always, Jim offer from Pelicans.com. No, we still have some playoff basketball to talk about for the Pelicans. Yeah, rough weekend, but it really doesn't matter. They locked up the ninth seed and we'll welcome in the San Antonio Spurs on Wednesday for the play-in game. And with that, we welcome in our special guest for today's show, a friend of the program. That's Will Guillory, who covers the team for the athletic what's up will how are you my friend man it's great to be back and i think this is the uh the portion of the show where you guys could just get it out the way and congratulate me for uh ending coach k's career you know i know every, everybody's joyous about it around the pelicans facility so we can just get it out the way right now just just give me my congratulations i appreciate it guys all right congratulations for finishing second in the ncaa tournament this year oh did i say that i'm sorry yeah you first your last will have you heard that term? Listen, I would say that most years, except for the year where we ended Coach K. Coach K was the biggest goal. The trophy was secondary this year, if you ask me. That doesn't even matter. It doesn't even matter. As long as you ended Coach K's career this season, you won't even remember you guys making that final four. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you're familiar with the North Carolina program, but we got a few banners up there. We, we know what it feels like to win a championship. So we're, we're not that pressed. We're, we're, we're doing just fine. All right, Will. Good job. Way to go. Congratulations. You're still no Syracuse program. <laughs> Let's start yeah. the podcast. Yeah, I don't know how many banners are up at Hannerfield House in Statesboro, Georgia, but I'm guessing not as many as Syracuse or UNC. So I'm going to leave that aside here and let's talk some Pelicans basketball. Will, hard to believe here on this Monday that we actually are talking about playing basketball. That's nothing against the Pelicans, but you know when we talked about the start of the season, how they're one and twelve, three and sixteen this day most likely would have been exit interviews with this team. But now all of a sudden they're getting ready for an extra game. I mean, just talk about the journey that this team has gone through to, to start where they were with the injuries and a first year head coach. And now we got some play postseason basketball to talk about. Yeah, it's crazy because you can't say they started with the injuries. The injuries were there throughout the season all the way to the end, right? And I think the number one story for this team coming out of this year is just the resiliency, the way they've been able to bounce back, you know, no matter what's been thrown at them, whether it's been Zion missing all 82 games, you know, Brandon Ingram only playing 55 games. You got a whole bunch of rookies, you know, playing huge roles on this team, whether it's Herb Jones, Trey Murphy, Jose Alvarado, a mid-season trade to bring in C.J. McCollum. Uh, they, they've dealt with so much, and they've been able to bounce back from it. And it, it's a you know testament to Willie Green, what he's done in his first year as a coach to keep these guys together, to keep them positive through it all. And also the guys in that locker room, the way they've stayed together. We, we talked about it a ton, just the chemistry they have, uh, the bonds those guys have developed in the locker room. Uh, it stays strong throughout the season. And a big part of it is Willie Green and what he's done, but also uh, just the locker room that they put together and the guys they have on this team. Uh, I, I think Jim will probably confirm with me. I, I think this is one of the most close-knit locker rooms I've been around since I've covered this team. And it's a big reason why they've made it to this point. Yeah, I'll get to Jim in just a second, but the piggyback on that, not only did they make this huge leap, but they also made probably the biggest move at the deadline to kind of help them get to where they are now uh, with the deal for C.J. McCollum, Tony Snell, and Larry Nance. I think we all like to say that, oh, C.J. McCollum is a catalyst to the deal, which he is, but I think bringing in all three guys for what they were able to give up, I mean, how much did that C.J. McCollum trade kind of turn the pendulum to think, okay, this team really has a chance to get into the postseason if everyone can stay healthy uh, with what's on the roster. 
Yeah, I mean, CJ's just been playing at an elite level since he's come to New Orleans. He, you know, he's done so much, you know, from a scoring perspective, being that lead guard. That's something we talked about a lot early in the season. Who's going to be that guy in the backcourt who could take some of the stress off of Brandon Ingram? And I think CJ has kind of done that. And even more since he's become a Pelican, uh, especially since a lot of his games he's played have been without Brandon Ingram. I think that's the quiet thing about what's going on with this team is they've been able to succeed despite Brandon Ingram missing a lot of games here down the stretch. And a lot, a lot of that goes on CJ and what he's done uh, from an offensive perspective, from a leadership perspective in the locker room. You talk to people around the team and just his presence as a guy who's been on playoff teams, who's been through pressure situations, who knows what it's like to deal with adversity. Uh, I think that's been crucial to have this presence in the locker room. And you mentioned it. I think Larry Nance has added a lot to that second unit, just a guy with a little bit more versatility, defensive-minded, uh, athletic, and catch lobs around the rim. Uh, so I think that the Nance pieces add a little bit more depth. And obviously, CJ is a guy with, you know, playoff uh, skins on the wall. He, he's been there and done that. Uh, and I think having him in his playoff playing game is going to be crucial for this team. Just a guy who who's not going to be afraid of the moment, who's been there and knows what it takes to, to succeed, you know, under the bright lights. Yeah, you know, I wanted to kind of add to a couple of things that Will just said. You mentioned, you know, the chemistry that the team has had. I think people that have followed the Pelicans for a while remember both the 2015 team that made the playoffs in 2018. And I remember there being a narrative about both of those teams that they had really good chemistry and that they got along really well, which I think was definitely true. But I think in both instances, the chemistry, quote unquote, came after the success of the team. It was really more of a thing after the 2015 team needed to make a huge push in the last month of the season to overcome Oklahoma city and get in the playoffs as the eight seed, the 2018 team was great in the second half of the season had two really long winning streaks. But I think the difference in this team is that we saw how long, how well everyone got along and how great the cohesiveness off the court was before they even had a decent amount of success. I mean, even when they started the season, three and 16, I think you could tell, I mean, maybe it was a little bit less um, visible or evident because, you know, you're going to restrain some of your, your giddiness and joking around when things are not going well, but we still saw um, that the guys are really close and it took a while to really get going this year. So I think that's the biggest difference. And I agree with what you said, Will, in terms of this is the, the best we've ever seen here in terms of just it seems like I've said before, it seems like everyone on the team is best friends with each other, which is very rare. I mean, you, you see a lot of guys that have different um, agendas and you see different clicks a lot of times on different teams where you have this group of guys that hangs together and that kind of thing. Um, but it's been phenomenal to see that um, in terms of the season overall and kind of the theme you mentioned overcoming adversity. I mean, I feel like in the entire time I've been here, there's probably not too many comparisons or examples that you, that would meet this in terms of just being able to overcome so much as far as the way the season started. And even in preseason when they, the preparation for the year was sidetracked by the hurricane. So, I mean, that part of it has been really impressive the way that they've been able to get past a lot of the obstacles. I feel like for a stretch there, going back to the previous decade, um, there was a lot of not overcoming adversity. There was a lot of, you know, injuries were the reason that we didn't accomplish this. Injuries were why we got sidetracked this year. We were never able to do what we what we thought we were capable of. We never fulfilled our potential because 
we had key guys out all the time. Whereas this year's team had, as you just said, Will, I mean, the, one of the best players on the team doesn't play at all. This, you know, another guy who's been an all-star misses 20 plus games and a couple long stretches, including a huge stretch in March. And they still were able to win enough games to be able to put themselves in position to, to keep their season going. So I think that's really the, one of the biggest takeaways I take from this regular season is just that they were able to withstand a lot of times where they could have made excuses and been like, well, we don't have our guys, so we're not going to be able to, to, to do this. And we're not going to be able to get to the, to play in tournament. Yeah, and I want to highlight something you said that that's unless you're around NBA locker rooms, you, you really wouldn't understand it. But, you know, NBA locker rooms are so clicky. You walk in and you see these guys over here hanging out, these guys over here hanging out and you'll hear stories about teams and they'll say, yeah, we all get along. It's great. But really, it's like these four guys over here get along great. Right. Mm -hmm. and, and these guys over here are kind of doing their own thing. But in the Pelicans locker room, I'm telling you. All of these guys get along. All of them mess with each other after practices. All of them have their own little individual depths. Uh, it's crazy to see this, just the entire locker room getting along. Even older guys like Garrett Temple, you see him messing around with the Trey Murphys of the world or the Najee Marshalls. Billy Hernan Gomez is a, is a guy who just gets along with every single person in the building, including like Jim and me. He walks up and messes with us. I mean, he just, <laughs> he just gets along with everybody. I think that's what's so unique about this locker room. The, the clicks don't exist it's not a thing with this team everybody gets along and I think that's how you get through some of the tough times they saw early in the season and it, it takes a lot to go out of your way to even spend time with me and deal with with my shenanigans so that is a credit to to Billy I will say too one thing I've noticed about him throughout the season it's funny how many times when I mean he's been on a few other different teams and he's played with a lot of different guys that obviously are either still in Charlotte or have gone to other teams it's amazing how many times before the game he has a couple guys on the opposing team come up to him and give him a hug. So, I mean, he's, he could, I think he's ready to run for mayor of the NBA because that guy is just exceptionally well-liked and popular. And you can see why, I mean, he just has that personality that everybody kind of embraces and loves. Yeah, for sure. I mean, all those guys, I mean, you talk about this locker room, this chemistry, and I'll kind of ask you both this. We talk about the players and how engaged they are with each other, but this starts with Willie Green, right? This starts with the culture that he's developing because none of these players get along without what he's been able to do on and off the floor, making sure that he said in his, his introductory press conference, I'm here to build relationships. The X's and O's will come over time, but building relationships with these players, these coaches, the staff, is priority number one. It, is that's where this all begins? We can the players are great and it, putting together this roster with Griff and Langdon. Also, got to give them credit for the people because character matters here when it comes to putting some players around everyone to make them mesh. But I feel like Will, I'll start with you and go to Jim. It starts with Willie and the culture that he was able to bring from day one. Yeah, no question. And I think he's something he's emphasized from the day he walked in the building was, you know, guys being together. You know, they, they, they say prayers together before the game. Uh, Willie makes a point of whenever he makes a big move in a rotation or something like that, he'll pull up to a guy's house and, and talk to him face to face. Uh, he's, he did that when he benched Devontae Graham earlier in the season. He did it when he benched uh, Garrett Temple coming out of the all-star break. He, he makes a point of having those personal relationships 
with guys. And I think that's kind of spread throughout the team that all of those guys make a point of when you have something to say, you look a guy in his eyes and you say it yourself. And, you know, I'll say it because uh, I know you guys prefer to keep a, a, a positive outlook, but I think it has to be said that, you know, I think a big part of why Willie has made such an impact because it's such a contrast from what we saw last year. I think the vibes just weren't great last year. And a lot of it had to do with COVID. Some of it had to do with the coach from last season that the roster didn't fit. Uh, but the guys just walked away from that season not feeling great about playing basketball, not feeling great about going to work every day. And it's the complete opposite with these teams. These guys love showing up to work. You see them in their blasting music and dancing and they're smiling. And you see it on the Pelicans Instagram every day. Uh, but it's it's the truth because that's how the, that's how the guys show up. They enjoy being in the gym working together. And I think part of it is because of what they built last year. But I think part of it is also is that it's so different from what they experienced last year. It's, it's like a, a breath of fresh air to go from, you know, where it was last season with all the tension and those, you know, awkward silences to now where all of these guys are joking around, they're laughing. And I think there's a bunch of times in practice where Willie's like, hey, guys, we got to focus on playing basketball. We're not at summer camp right now. We got to do, we got to do some serious stuff. And I think that's a good thing that you got to, you know, pull guys back from having fun rather than being like, Hey guys, this is, this is a game. You got to remember that. And I think that hasn't been an issue with this Pels team at all. I really liked what he said yesterday when he was asked, it might've even been a response to one of your questions. Will. I think it was pregame when he was asked about, you know, what it means to, have gotten to this point where they're in the play in tournament and they're going to extend the year into the postseason beyond the 82 games. And he was talking about how he's really appreciative of just being in the NBA of having the NBA logo on your chest. I feel like he's just, he's one of those people that's easy to immediately respect because his perspective is, is just so good on everything. Um, I also think too, that the fact that he doesn't have an ego, I think has made a huge impact on the roster and I think ego. it's it's made it's made um, the players really embrace him, and I think listen to his message constantly. Um, he's not one of these people that is flashy at all. He's not one of these people that wants everyone to constantly think about how great of a coach he is or how smart he is. That we you know we see sometimes in the coaching profession where guys get to that point where you know it becomes a little bit more about them than it probably should be. I think one of the things that Willie said has said from day one too, is that he wants to be, I think the phrase that he uses is kind of a servant leader where he's not the guy that's out, out in front. He, he wants to, he wants to always focus on what's best for the players. And I think when you see the way he conducts himself and you see the way he speaks, you can see that um, it's not just something that he says, it's something that he actually puts forth into action. Um, and last thing too, is just, it just seems like his, he's just a selfless kind of person. And I think all of those things, have resonated really well with the roster and our big reason why they were not only able to get in the playing tournament, but also withstand the, the, the difficult circumstances of the way the season started, where it just, I mean, to me, like right before Thanksgiving, it seemed like everything that could go wrong was going wrong. And they still were able to um, start putting it to, together a little bit more in December and then have a really good second half of the season. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's focus on the game a little bit. A couple more questions for you, Will. I appreciate you coming on on this Monday. I know we're about to get real busy here, but we do have a game on Wednesday, Pelicans and Spurs. And this is a Spurs team that is three and one against the Pelicans this season. It was kind of odd how they approached post-trade deadline. They trade probably one of their better players in Derek White. It seemed like maybe they were looking forward to the future here, not really thinking about playing, but just like every pop, pop 
Greg Popovich team, I call them the Pop Roaches because it's never go away. But they, this is a team that everyone didn't really have as a team that was going to probably go into the playoffs. But now here they are at the 10th spot and really rest their guys over the weekend to maybe feel like, hey, we'd rather have health. We'd rather be everyone ready. Kind of seem like they're not worried about playing in New Orleans. They beat them twice in New Orleans over the season. So, Will, I'll start with you, and I'll go to Jim. I guess what intrigues you about this matchup with the Spurs and also what worries you about this matchup with the Spurs on Wednesday? I think first and foremost, you mentioned it. Whenever you face a Greg Popovich team, you know exactly what you're getting, right? Those guys are going to play hard. They're going to share the ball. They're going to follow through with their system. And they're, they're not going to be moments where guys are out there playing iso ball or doing their own thing. They're going to stick to their game plan. And I think uh, that's a difficult thing when you're going against a young team like the Pelicans. There's going to be so much excitement in the building. It's going to be very easy to get lost in the moment. And, you know, that doesn't happen with Greg Popovich teams. Those guys are going to be completely locked into what they're doing and what it takes to win that game. And I think that's where it's going to fall back on Willie Green to make sure his guys are focused. Uh, they're not getting that. They're not going to let their emotions get involved. And I think a big part of what you saw in those, uh, especially the first two losses against the Spurs, was DeJounte Murray, uh, all-star point guard for that team, can put up big numbers when he gets it going. And I think what you saw in the last two games was the Pelicans just say, okay, we're going to throw a, a bunch of bodies at him. We're going to sick Herb Jones on him, and we're going to make sure that everybody else beats us. And that, that worked, you know, greatly in San Antonio when they beat him by like 100 points <laughs> that one game where we were out there. And then the game, uh, the final time they met in New Orleans, DeJounte Murray played pretty poorly in that game, but San Antonio made up for it by hitting the offensive glass. And that's where they really hurt the Pelicans in a couple of those games this year. So I would say, one, just these young guys maintaining their emotions, you know, in a, in a building that's probably going to be as crazy as we've seen it all year on Wednesday night and also containing DeJounte Murray. I think those are going to be the two uh, biggest uh, points of emphasis going into that game. Yeah, you know, Will, you mentioned um, how there's not going to be any iso ball or hero ball from the Spurs. I keep remembering back to, I forget if it was the first game that San Antonio played in New Orleans or the second game, but they have a rookie, Jock Landale, who had a, a really kind of monstrous dunk in the paint, and he immediately turned to the Spurs bench and, like, yelled and, like, flexed. And Popovich looked right at him and just waved at him and said, get back on defense. <laughs> so I, I thought that was so funny because it was like he was not interested in, in you know, the, a rookie or really any player celebrating and, and you know, talking, talking junk or saying, like, oh, I'm awesome because I just got two points. He was like, we need you to get back on defense and you need to do it now. So I thought that was funny. Um, but in terms of what I'm looking forward to Wednesday, um, I think the first – the first time that the Spurs won in, in New Orleans was one of C.J. McCollum's first few games, third or fourth game maybe with the Pelicans. It seemed like they were still kind of adjusting. And then um, the second time in re recently, just a couple of weeks ago, uh, Brandon Ingram didn't play in that game. So I'm, I'm curious to see how the Pelicans look with kind of more of a, a full-strength team. It, it, it was the oddest season series in that you had three losses to the Spurs, but then, like you said, in the one game that you got, you absolutely – destroyed them and kind of um, blew them out, out of their own building. So that was, that was odd that they were up 40 something points and then they won by 34, but there's really been nothing as, as kind of Daniel alluded to, there's been nothing conventional about the way the Spurs have handled this season or maybe predictable is a better word. Um, they've, as the season's gone on, not only did they trade Derek white, but um, there's been a couple guys in the rotation that weren't part of it at all in the first 
40, 50 games. Um, Josh Primo, who played with Herb Jones at Alabama, is a, also a rookie, but four years younger than Herb. Um, he's been way, he's been a much more prominent part of the team in the last dozen games or so he started. I mean, he's one of the youngest players in the league. So it's just, um, it's, it's so unusual after we saw decades of hall of famers and guys that have been in the league 10, 15 years, that's what the Spurs always added when they needed a role player, they would get Robert Ori or somebody like that. That's been around the league for a long time. This is completely the opposite, but, um, They've got uh, really, throw Zach Collins in there too. Zach Collins is giving them some really good sure. minutes. Yeah, yeah he came sure. back from the injury. Right after he missed a big part early part of the season because he was out and he missed all of last season. So um, I've been impressed though by the just like with the Pelicans. I mean, when the Spurs have handed some of these younger guys the opportunity to contribute and say, we're gonna throw you into the fire, even though you weren't part of the of the mix that much early in the year, they've gotten good responses from that, and that's a big reason why they won the couple games already in the smoothie King center this season should be an interesting and a fun one at the smoothie King center on Wednesday night, Pelicans and Spurs, whoever wins, will get the loser of Clippers and Timberwolves. So even if you get past Wednesday, that Friday game against either of those teams uh, will be very interesting. Jim, I can offer pelicans.com. Will Guillory of the athletic will, how can folks follow you on Twitter for all of your latest articles? Absolutely. Follow me on Twitter at Will Guillory. That's G-U-I-L-L-O-R-Y. And you can follow all my work at theathletic.com. Uh, we're about to have a fun run, man. We're getting into playoff basketball. It's finally here, gentlemen. Uh, been a long time running. We got a bunch of fun stuff coming. I've got a fun story coming up on CJ McCollum uh, coming up soon. So go ahead and, and check us out and check me out to see what we got coming, man. It's going to be a fun ride these next couple months. It certainly will. Will does great work with the athletics. So looking forward to seeing what he has in store during this week and for the rest of the NBA playoffs. Guys, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you Wednesday. Looking forward to it. All right. We'll talk to you on Wednesday with a game day edition of the Pelicans podcast presented by SeatGeek. Until then, for Jim and Will, I'm Daniel. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Wednesday. Go Pelicans.